Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Christina Bagney, author of the young adult novel, My Only Real Friend is the Easter Bunny at the Mall. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, My Only Real Friend is the Easter Bunny at the Mall, how would you describe the novel? Sure. Well, it's kind of like a, it's young adult. It's kind of a mix of dark and comedy. uh, And it's about really found friendship, mental health, and healing from past grief and trauma and making mistakes and making things better after you make mistakes. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the novel? I do. Um, My ex-partner worked at the Santa photo set at the mall a few years back. (laughs) And uh, yeah, they were head elf. (laughs) They got to take all the photos of Santa. Um, So I went in one day to just hang out uh, around and watch them work. And I got to meet their manager who actually ran uh, several of these photo sets in the area uh, where I live in Massachusetts. And I got to talk to him for a little while. And he was telling me about running Santa. And he also ran the Easter Bunny set. Uh, so you can get a photo with the Easter Bunny. <laughs> and he told me that Santa has to look like Santa. They like to get real old, you know, overweight fat guys, uh, white guys <laughs> with real beards. They're, that's their big selling point is they have real beards. Um, but the Easter Bunny can be anybody because they have the mask on. Now, the Easter Bunny suit is very hot and it's kind of difficult to wear for a long period of time, but they are there on set for eight hours a day. So what they end up doing is hiring these younger guys who can handle being in the suit for that long. And the only guys, he said, are available for two months in spring for eight hours a day for this kind of gig work. Uh, They often have face tattoos um, because people with face (laughs) tattoos have a hard time getting jobs. Yes. Yeah. So that just, it it made me... (laughs) So interested in who is this person who has a face tattoo who's in the Easter Bunny suit on everybody's grandma's fridge, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's where I got the idea. I just wanted to follow that character and explore what that person is up to. And that led to writing the rest of the book. That's great. Well, what was your original writing journey that led you to eventually writing and getting this novel published? Sure. So the... The season that my partner was working with the Santa was right before the pandemic. Um, so 2019. So it was kicking around in my head. And then I had all this free time and just decided, well, I'll start my new project. Here's an idea. Let's go. And because I had so much free time, I got the first draft written in like about a month, which is pretty quick for me. Um, and then by the end of the year, you know, again, tons of free time. I just kept plugging away at it and plugging away at it. And eventually, you know, finished it by the end of the year, which again is very speedy for me. Um, but something that I developed with this book is using Microsoft Excel to help me plan. Um, and the way that I do that is, you know, make up a spreadsheet with all of the scenes or chapters that I want to happen in like a Y column and then in rows across uh, different characters or themes or different like plots that I want to make sure that I'm touching. And then I will just fill in X's on when those plots and things happen in the scenes and chapters. And what this does is create a really interesting and helpful visual map of when we are talking about, you know, Billy's plot and when we're talking about Elisa's plot and when the theme of everything not being black and white happens and in which plot that occurs. And it can help vastly in planning, which um, I've used in all of my projects since. And it's been a massive help. 
that's an interesting process. Can, can you tell us about how you initially got interested in writing and, and, and um, was this your first novel that you had written? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. Um, it was the first that I got published. Um, but no, I, I've been writing since I was 12 years old and I wrote a full book when I was 12 and it's still to this day, I, I'm 27. It's still the longest book I've written because it is like, uh, 200,000 words of just nonsense, you know? Um, <laughs> and it's a bunch of superheroes doing this and that. And now there's a robot and now there's a UFO and whatever. Um, but it was a blast and it was just so much fun to be 12 and finally have something that was all me and there's nothing I could do wrong and I'm in control of it all. You know, as opposed to usually when you're a child, people are telling you what to do, but no one could tell me what to do in my own book. And that was really liberating. Um, so I've been writing since then, just uh, project after project improving all the time and it's led to this, which is great. And what was your publication process of finding your publisher? Uh, lots of rejections. Um, I think 55 rejections. <laughs> and um, I was trying for agents. I didn't end up getting an agent. Um, the publisher, Deep Hearts YA, is a small press in Canada. And they are lovely. They print only YA books and only books with queer characters. So my main character is queer. And it was really exciting for me to find people who would understand that kind of character and plot and would be able to support me in a way that would get this book to people that um, are also queer and and young and just fit the audience really well. So I really felt like coming home. And what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? I think a lot of writing advice is about motivation and that is great. You need to be motivated and work. But I think something that people forget is that there are skills and techniques that can be taught. Uh, you can learn how to do five senses writing. You can learn how to describe settings in a way that is effective. Um, there are skills that you can pick up um, as opposed to just kind of running and writing in a straight line. Um, I wrote, as I mentioned, several books before I had any real training and understanding. And yeah, you'll write a book, but it will not be good. <laughs> so it, it is just, um, I think it's a matter of looking for practical advice out in the world and then applying that. And do you think that, as you mentioned earlier, using Excel and the system that you came up with, do you think that that's helped you to kind of hone your writing? I think it's definitely helps me because I can have, um, I struggle sometimes seeing the big picture, but that's really important when you're trying to get the plot and stories to be um, satisfying and the character development. So being able to see everything on my computer screen all at once and being able to hold the whole story mm -hmm. in my field of view was really helpful for me. Um, some people may not struggle with that, so it may not be helpful for them. But yeah, I think it's been really helpful for the big picture stuff. And then once that's set, you can kind of dive in and make sure that the chapters are all looking individually how you want them to look. So yeah, I'd say to try it. <laughs> well, are you working on a new novel now? Yes, I I'm just finishing up a modernized feminist retelling of Medusa that I'm now kind of pitching out. So, you know, if any agents are listening, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. Staying in the young adult for now, it's, it's always great to work in with the younger readers. So, yeah. That's great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? I've been getting into more fantasy and sci-fi, which I hadn't 
been into um, until the last couple of years, but now I'm just obsessed. So I've been working my way through the Murderbot uh, books, which are wonderful. Um, and I also read the A Psalm for the Wild Built, which is also about robots, funny enough. Um, <laughs> that's also a very good book. So um, I guess that's my theme lately, robots. <laughs> Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novel and your writing? Yes. Um, so I have a linked tree, which is good. It's like uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Christina Bagney, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-B-A-G-N-I. And on that link tree, it will show you all my links to my um, various, the TikTok I have, my uh, formerly known as Twitter account, um, Facebook fan page. and. <laughs> Anything you could possibly want. I also have some YouTube videos talking about writing and books and all kinds of lovely things. Wonderful. Well, again, we've been speaking to Christina Bagney, author of the young adult novel, My Only Real Friend is the Easter Bunny at the Mall. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Christina, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much. It was great. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, thank you, Andover Bookstore. And... Uh, yeah, this is um, very exciting. Uh, I tell the story a lot. I started writing when I was 12 and my dad was watching Fantastic Four um, and I thought it was very bad. <laughs> I was like, this is boring and I could write it better than this. And um, so I went downstairs and I took a yellow legal pad. I owe you one and um, wrote 15 pages of a superhero story. And by the time it was time for dinner, my mom was like, time for dinner. And I was like, mom, I'm writing a book. Can I publish it? And she said, how about you finish it first? <laughs> so here we are. I've done it. Yeah. Uh, so this was a pandemic project. I started it. I figured I got two weeks off of work. I'll write an outline. Yeah. Uh, um, I got, you know, long time longer than that. And so I wrote the whole draft and then again, got it through here. Uh, you might, if you have one already, you can see on the cover, uh, there's an Easter egg, obviously, but there's also a secret detail Easter egg. You can see a tattoo in the uh, sleeve of the bunny. And uh, that is one of the first things that we're going to see in the sample I'm going to read for you. Uh, because this is a book about lots of things. It's about secrets, it's about friendship, and it's about connecting with people. But mostly it is about mental health and mental health awareness. Um, I had one of my reviewers call it a love letter to therapy, and I definitely agree with that. Um, the whole book takes place as letters to the character's therapist. Uh, and I did that because I realized that in a lot of books, people end going to therapy and it's kind of just a, all right, you're done. Like you went through something difficult. Now we're going to fix it. You're in therapy and everything's great. And that is not really how it works. So um, I thought that I would show more realistic side of things and how it's a process and uh, you work through and change over time and um, can have some fun along the way. So we are going to look at uh, chapter four, it's called The Man Behind the Bunny Mask. This is the first time that our character meets the Easter Bunny uh, and sees the tattoos that he's hiding behind the mask. Uh, all right. So I think I formally met Billy three days in. It was definitely a Wednesday, which I knew because I was coming in to see you, my therapist after work, which was only really important because it meant I was leaving work early to get to you on time. I was working the register my whole shift that day. Max showed me how to ring people out too and how to frame the photos. There were a bunch of tiny little egg frames that people usually bought to put the wallet sizes in. They were pretty small, pretty cute. They could fit right in my vest pocket. 
you know, hypothetically. <laughs> Max said I, said I should take my break when Billy does now instead of going separately. The bunny apparently needed an escort because they were afraid of potentially getting sued should the bunny do something so unbunny-like it scars some little kid for life, like taking off the head or smoking in the bunny suit, which, funny enough, were the first things Billy did when he and I finally got to Max's office. He pulled off the paws one after the other, gripped that heavy head by the neck, and yanked it off so hard and violently it might have scarred even me. He was turned away from me, but I saw him scratch the back of his shaved head. God, it's sweaty in there. There was a tattoo on the back of his neck, and when he looked down, I could see it was of a woman in a fancy ball gown and masquerade mask, just chilling on a love seat, throwing a handful of playing cards up in the air and laughing. It was kind of neat. He was digging around in his folded up jacket and I was getting ready to leave, but then he stood up straight, a pack of cigarettes and a lighter in his hand. You mind? I didn't answer, but not because I minded, because I'd seen his face for the first time and it was covered with tattoos. It was really well done. He had two devil horns on his forehead, a big capital H on his chin and dark shadowing around his eyes and on his nose, temples and cheeks to make him look like a skull. He reminded me of Day of the Dead parades. No, I don't mind. I mumbled. He nodded, popped one into his mouth, and plopped down in Max's office chair. I told myself to stop staring, but I couldn't. They looked awesome. How often do you see a gangster in an Easter Bunny suit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in a gang, Billy said suddenly, like he'd read my mind. I looked away. So you don't have to be afraid of me. I'm not afraid of you. I think your tattoos look cool. <laughs> I tried to make the pitch of my voice low enough to be taken seriously. I still kind of sounded like a little kid sometimes. Billy smirked, snapped his thumb against the plastic yellow lighter and breathed the flame into his cigarette. Well, glad someone does. They're actually why I'm here. The few grand I get from being a bunny is going right into tattoo removal. Wait, he's getting paid thousands? <laughs> it costs that much? I asked instead. You're probably wondering why I'm writing out this entire boring conversation. I guess I don't really know either. I guess I just want to remember him as much as I can. He breathed out a smooth line of smoke. Hmm, cheaper to cover it up, but that kind of misses the point. I smiled, he smiled. Are you getting rid of all of them? No, no, just the ones on my face. I like a lot of my other ones, not that you can see any right now. I've got a mermaid here. He ran a hand up his side, then across his chest. Some planets and a copy of my grandmother's rosary. I like them. I've gotten some dumb ones covered up, this real stupid one of Daffy Duck smoking a blunt I got turned into a pirate ship. <laughs> I like that. But the face ones, they can go. Hmm, well, I see why, I said, but they look cool to me. I'm just tired of everyone being afraid of me, he said. If those moms knew I looked like this, I can guarantee you they wouldn't plop their kids on my lap. He seemed nice, maybe mid-30s, though it was hard to gauge with the tattoos. I shuffled a little, took a little half step toward the stool I had sat on during my interview, then chickened out and just kind of sank into one hip. Can you spare one? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make a big deal of it, just held out the pack. I considered trying to tap it out the way they do on TV where just one cigarette shimmies out, but I figured I'd just manage to shake all the cigarettes onto the floor if I even attempted to look cool. So I just pulled one loose. I glanced surreptitiously at the one between his lips. Okay. The brown part goes in your mouth, okay. <laughs> I could never remember which way was right. He handed me his yellow lighter. So, where are you running off to? Big Wednesday night party? <laughs> no. Sports? Therapy, I said. 
I kind of wanted to shock him, make him uncomfortable. I don't know why. I think I mostly just wanted to seem damaged or hardcore. Like, yeah, I've been through some dark shit. I'm in therapy <laughs> and I'm so confident in myself. I don't mind admitting it to basically a stranger. <laughs> he nodded, leaned back in Max's chair. His bunny body looked pantsless when Billy crossed his ankle over his knee. He considered me with a brow furrowed in approval. You know, that's great, he said, pointing his cigarette at me like a mobster. I love how you younger kids are destigmatizing mental health issues. <laughs> I snorted, my eyes wide in er and his eyes, wow, and his eyes widened in earnestness. Seriously, I wouldn't be comfortable just telling somebody I went to therapy. Now, maybe not 10 years ago when I was supposed to be in high school. Oh, thanks. I smoked faster. I didn't feel like talking about generational differences of mental health beliefs with a man in a bunny suit. <laughs> and then she does exactly that for 200 